0: Nine minutes it is uh, before 8pm uh, and I'm joined on the line to uh, take a look at the big stories in the world of business by Markwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers. Markwe, who's it, my bro? I'm
1: good and you say. How are you? A very good evening to you.
0: Ah, no, no. Always a pleasure, Markwe. I'm well, thanks, man. Makwe, I want us to start off with uh, what BlackRock said here. I always find, I guess, their commentary on what's happening in capital markets very interesting. They say that uh, the type of sub-investment grade debt that we've seen uh, certainly surpasses what would have been seen around 2007 eight or so. And I guess I'm asking myself the question, what are the implications of that kind of state of play?
1: Yeah, you know, I think just to put it into context, I, uh, you know, people with since the financial meltdown, Interest rates were reduced, Then, at some point when they were trying to raise them up, then we had this other crisis and the back down again. But when interest rates were reduced, then companies, what they did, they went out there got cheap money. And most companies, what they did, those were listed, they bought back their shares, and that also helped their earnings to go up because you've got very few shares in issue. And now we know the main or red economy has not been growing. But now here we are facing a crisis where companies cannot make profit. Yes, it's not a financial crisis, it's a health crisis. But now as it is, they are not able to repay their debt. So as a result, those debts that they've been issued, they end up being downgraded. And then as a result, you get a lot and lot and lot of chance debt out there and become becomes difficult, you know, Pension funds to be able to tap into there, or even those companies now to go to the mainstream kind of a, a debt issues, whether it's your banks or whether it's the public entities. Then, unfortunately, they don't have to go to the private lenders. So, hence, that's saying we're going to have a major restructuring. And anyway, we just had a good example today with Petra Diamonds. I don't know if you've seen that that they will end up having what they call a debt for equity swap. So that will result with the debt holders owning 91% of that company. So equity holders will only be left with 9% because the company cannot repay its own debt.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, like, you know, the implication of that, because I think many people are asking themselves, well, what will the marketplace look like after that? And, and uh, BlackRock suggesting here that the scale of the restructuring, the scale of the consolidation, the scale of, all of the changes that we might experience and uh, no doubt anticipate at this point will far exceed the 2007-8 crisis.
1: Because that would be plus minus 5.3 trillion U.S. dollars, you know, of that kind of debt. And now, I, if you're unable to restructure or to be able to do some consolidation, then you don't have much of a choice. You've got the debt, then people will close you up. So you'll have a lot of company failures, And unfortunately, it's one of those uh, unfortunate consequences that you'll we'll have to end up with. Anyway, so far we've been seeing companies failing or, or fighting for bankruptcy, whether it's at home here. Yeah. Or even in Europe. Or so I think BlackRock is our own point that we're going to see a large number of companies failing. And we know companies failing, then it means unemployment as well will get out of control. Then people don't have money to spend. And we know economies are driven by consumer spending. I mean, that's our economy. is 61% consumer demand, just like the developed countries, then ultimately it will affect the real economy because people will be unemployed.
0: And I guess, yeah, it just does put into perspective uh, what all of this is going to mean and uh, uh, maybe coming from, uh, you know, the southernmost tip of the continent of Africa. The the one question I'd ask myself is uh, what kind of ripple impact will this have on emerging uh, markets, you know, uh, markets like the JSC and even, I guess, uh, more ominously for, uh, you know, the markets for sovereign debt?
1: You know, maybe just as an example, already we've got Zambia which is already facing that kind of a crisis. We've got Mozambique as well, back home here, in that crisis. And with the JSE, fortunately with us, most of our debt is rent denominated, So we don't have that exchange rate implications. But yes, we still have casualties. Because if you look at the debt levels of most of our listed entities, I'm not notice that are not too high, even though our bond market is still very liquid. So they will still be able, because interest rates back home here, the yields that we offer are still better or are attractive compared to, to maybe getting a flat or negative rate in other countries. And even yesterday or this morning, we had the likes of Australia stating that they will probably join the negative interest rate club.
0: Mark, let's shift our attention, uh, I guess, uh, from uh, the capital markets and uh, ask ourselves why potato prices have exploded by 140% in just four months. I mean, one would have thought, what with restaurants closed, that, um, you know, you'd probably have some uh, price depression uh, on the part of uh, many of the goods upstream, like potatoes, uh, which are used, I guess, uh, for chips and all manner of other things. But it seems, you know, the opposite has happened here.
1: I think most of us are in, in, when we were we, we in, we in bed uh, or wrong careers, you know, because that's where money is you know, <laughs> and I think it's more a question of demand and supply. Because of the weather implications then the guys could not harvest on time. Then supply is limited. Yes, we know at some point uh, fast food restaurants were closed, stuff like that, so demand was not that impressive But unfortunately we've got the inelasticity when it comes to the supply. That's a mere setback when it comes to harvesting, then it leads to price to record like that. And apparently even worse than when we had that 2016 fallout, that the prices just increased almost 63 rand or so per 10, per ten kg. So now you are talking an ink a price of almost 63 rand for a 10 kg pack. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. And it, it seems something similar is happening in sweet potato as well.
1: Same story as well, you know. And yes, as much as we might be importing some French fries from the likes of Netherlands and Belgium, but there is still an issue when it comes to the importing, as much as the countries have tried to open up. We're well, not yet at that point. Where we've got the free flow of goods, you know, because we still have a bet or a deadlock when it comes to deadlock when it comes to the port. So logistics mm-hmm. also comes into play.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I found that very interesting that story, and uh, I guess uh, just speaks of the dominance of Limpopo as a potato producer in South Africa. Enough for them to, I guess, uh, having experienced a harsher than normal winter. Uh, to have a ripple impact on uh, prices across the sector in that way, and maybe the conversation to be had, mark is uh, to say how do we d- then diversify the sources of some of these potatoes uh, from a country perspective if indeed uh, it uh, continues to constitute uh, such a critical staple uh staple starch for many many a yeah. household in South Africa. Let's shift our attention to Steinhoff, markwe, and uh, you know you you work in the capital markets and t- talk to me just briefly about this role that the j s c plays from an issuer regulation perspective and uh, more importantly I guess the implications that uh, uh, or the role that uh, that role uh, has played um, I guess uh, after a lot of these misstatements fraud and um, effective corruption on the part of Steinhoff.
1: You know we need to understand any exchange whether the J.C. or the London or the UK, New York Stock Exchange they are there to guarantee that you will settle whatever that you buy or gets to be bought from you so they are acting as a a settlement authority that if i buy something definitely i will get i will get that delivered to me if i sell it i'll get my money and now for people to make those buying or selling decisions we rely on your financial statements because that's the only way we're able to see the company the performance whether good or bad so now if you start mistaking those company uh, results then we have just reached one of the listing requirements because we are trying to make sure that whatever gets to be listed is solid. We have to bear in mind that here you are taking pension fund money, savings of people, whether through medical aid or the insurance. So we have to make sure that that company is very solid. So now when you start misleading us, giving us wrong information, then that's not good at all. And as we know, for the past three years, that share price has done almost 98%. And I think maybe the TSE. They have to have a discussion themselves because at some point they tried to impose the maximum penalty, but that maximum penalty is just too little because here, what we are talking almost 15.5 million. Since the company, even after forty ninety eight percent the market cap is mm-hmm. around 3.7 billion. So that's absolutely nothing. But they just said, yes, this was just for the company itself. We have to go now after the individuals themselves. And I think that's what people are more interested in. Because as we're seeing what is happening in the public sector, going against people, we need to see the very same thing happening to the private sector that you are the guys who are in charge and Funny enough, three days or so, uh, we had Mark Mark Jouster challenging that PwC report, you know, at the court whether it's going to win it or not, we don't know. So that tells you that individuals who are involved are making sure that they've got all their ground covered Mm. and make sure that we still remain in the bank, which is not a good thing. Now you need the law enforcement to be involved, not just the JSC. Remember the JSC is just a body they're trying to regulate, but they don't have those powers as law enforcement agencies. I mean, it's still just so little, 13.5 million, 0.5 million, given the loss yeah, of... Yeah, I mean,
0: it, it doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, Mark, if we're dealing with billions of yeah. euro here. It doesn't seem like that bite is a lot. But but is, it, is I guess, the sanction or, or the potential sanction uh, probably more severe, I would assume, with individuals? Or is that not the case? I mean, if, if the JSC um, is saying that investigation t- into some of the sort of persons that are involved in this case are ongoing. I mean, what are the, some of the kinds of sanctions that could be sort of meted out in that process? I think that will be more of criminal ones that to try to get the money
1: back from those people. Chances are we won't get it back, but I think people would like to see people in the private sector also in orange overalls, you know, as mm-hmm. the saying goes, because definitely you cannot just be given a, a penalty like that but. Track record for something else. What happened to the banks which were involved in manipulating the rent? They, they all just got away with a fine and individuals were not even touched. Unlike when it comes to other countries where you get those particular traders involved, also they themselves having to face some jail time. But back home here we have not seen something like that. I mean, look at the guys who were involved in fixing the price of bread itself. Look at the
0: guys who got involved, you Mm. know, in manipulating and feeding. What happened to the Sambo guys? You remember those guys? Sambo.
1: No, just quite a fine, and that's it. And I don't think that's the right way. And that's what has been happening with the private sector. Even the auditing firms themselves, who went to jail, mm. and came to the likes of KPMG, who went to jail to the likes of Deloitte itself. Even these advisory companies who are paying that were caught involved mm. in the. The They paid the money, but individuals, as you say, are still out there living their own lives.
0: But, uh, I mean, I guess the, the other issue that I just wanted to talk to briefly, Makwe, is, um, you know, if you, if you distinguish some of the issues here that uh, Steinhoff is being censured for, there's the one element, which is the reporting. So overinflation of assets, overinflation of earnings, uh, you know, and uh, all manner of other things. And, of course, also inflation of the equity. Uh, but then, of course, there's also some fishy disposals and uh, other related party issues that have emerged here. And I'm quite interested, Markway, in in your view on, I guess, uh, the sanction that has been delivered on that score.
1: Nothing serious that you've seen so far. I mean, the company said that they made a proposal to settle their claims for almost 20 billion or so to whoever who's got the claims against them. And those third party transactions, that tells you that you've got individuals who benefited mm-hmm. because you had transactions that they sell something at a lower price after buying it at a higher price, and somebody benefits out of that. It cannot be right. Yes, it might sound complicated, but it's not complicated. It's a question of you like to ask a simple thing, higher. For your company to have a certain value it means your assets are at a certain price so if you misstate those assets then it means it's not a true reflection of that particular company and if you miss uh, state or understate your liabilities it also puts the what you call it the value of your company which is just mm. so misleading.
0: Makwe? Let's shift our attention to the aviation sector now. Um, I was talking earlier in my introduction about this, uh, you know, uh, agreement arrived at here between Emirates and Airlink, and uh, Airlink certainly will be smiling about this because uh, it's certainly the kind of jolt up the arm that you need during this difficult moment of recovery. What is the, I guess, um, substantive nature of this particular partnership, and what will it mean for both of the airlines?
1: Maybe we first have to understand that who owns Emirates. Inner- Emirates Aya is owned by the Dubai government through an investment corporation company. I'm mentioning that to say to you that does not necessarily mean that even an airline is owned by a government is not going to do good. It is performed badly. It goes down to the management and your strategy as an airline. Yes, here they are. they're saving one of our own. And for Airlink, link I think it's a good move for them going forward because now we know that globally most people fly in the rest because they've got the right support and subsidies and more importantly, in the management, you know, taking the support from the government. And but the critical thing is they're able to manage all that in a very productive way. So back home here, here we are just getting help from that particular company. But as I say, for Airlink itself, that's good news, and more importantly, for uh, a, a passengers as well. You know, it makes your life just so easy to know that even when it comes to the taking of beds that you'll get it at uh, what do you call it, a uh, national park. You know, whether you're coming from London or wherever, because they'll just make sure that you get it the right connectivity. And we know with most people, it's a question of luggage when it comes to changing flights or connecting with other ones, and not only the regional, uh, destinations that. Airlink link will be helping us. Also back home, we are almost 25 years off. The guys will be able to do that part. Emeritus and the main business. As they said, that this is just the start of the beginning. We are looking to do more of this. Before we know it, Emeritus will be dominating all the global airlines.
0: Hmm. And then, I mean, this this arrangement here for A-Link. I mean, we know Airlink, private regional operator. Um, what, what does it mean for them in terms of sort of ticket volumes?
1: I mean, the guys will continue to make money because if you are getting a seat from an international airline like, like Emirates, then you are guaranteed for business because you can also book them just from uh, book your airlines, just using their online platform for both the airlines, whether it's Emirates or AirLink. So for, for AirLink itself, it's more business for them because, I mean, being able to be the last mile for an international airline, which is just so busy. I mean, here mm-hmm. yeah, you're not talking your lost hands, kind of a thing. You're talking a big global player. And even know how cheap Emirates is, even though people know that they'll have to spend maybe extra four or five hours for a reconnection flying via Emirates, but they happen to be one of the cheapest airlines. Hmm.
0: Yeah, certainly uh, happy days for them and uh, might, might uh, make some of their uh, counterparts looking over. Um, You're yeah, slightly, slightly jealous here, Makwe. And uh, I guess it goes back to the point that you were making early on that uh, with the debates around how the new SAA rises like um, the phoenix from the ashes, uh, how do we think about uh, similar types of arrangements uh, for our national carrier as well? Makwe, but we'll have to leave it there, my brother. Always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, until uh, we uh, check in again. Pleasure. Hey, tada. That there was Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and founder at Makwe Fund Managers, uh, taking us through some of the big stories in the marketplace on this Tuesday. We're going to take a brief break, and uh, when we come back, Siyamba, siya ebay, Nelson Mandela Bay, and uh, we're going to be uh, checking in with Annalise Buerta, founder of the Locally Yours Market, and uh, we're going to find out how you can set up a stall at this market. It's happening in Barkins Valley in Nelson Mandela Bay. Stay tuned.